Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is sponsored by the Integrity Income Fund, which is managed by yours truly and my team at Labrador Lending. The Integrity Income Fund is for accredited investors. It aims to pay an 8% preferred return and an 8.5% preferred return for early investors. It aims to pay out monthly distributions. There's a $25,000 minimum and only a one-year lockup. If you are an accredited investor and you're looking to get away from Wall Street, looking to beat inflation, and looking for an asset class that is backed by hard physical real estate, then look no further than the Integrity Income Fund. Check it out at labradorlending.com. In this episode, I got the chance to chat with Brian Davies. Uh, Brian and I went to the same high school. He's a little bit younger than I am, uh, but his life took a serious, unexpected turn uh, with extreme health challenges after college. Uh, Brian is a former collegiate athlete who was always an extremely hardworking person. And um, just as he's settling into his professional career, thinking that, okay, I can, I can live a comfortable life and kind of do this job thing and, and uh, things are somewhat on autopilot. Uh, he, got challenged, he, he got challenged through some real extreme, um, health obstacles, if you will. And eventually he ended up losing part of his leg and losing an organ. Um, again, serious health challenges. And the big, it sounds like the biggest hardship really was the mental side of things. And how he was isolated when others, his friends are all working professional jobs and maybe people are just starting families and he's at home taking pills and, you know, um, left to left with his thoughts. And so I think that's a big, um, you know, big <laughs> clearly was a huge struggle for him. Um, one of the key takeaways for me from this episode was how his father was able to redirect Brian's uh, perspective. And when Brian said, hey, dad, you know, why me? Why is this happening to me? Um, and Brian was kind of at probably his lowest point. His dad said, you're asking the wrong question. You know, who would you want this to happen to instead of you? It's not why me. It's what do you what are you going to do about it? And um, Brian has also worked through how he's 
he's reached, he's changed how he defines purpose and how he defines goals. And, um, you know, he, he's shifted his focus to others. And that was a big way that he was able to get through this mentally. Um, he was able to get a master's degree from Johns Hopkins. He was able to travel and make the team uh, for the Team USA amputee hockey team. I mean, just phenomenal accomplishments for someone that's been through so much. So um, this one is really inspiring. I know you're going to like it. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman. And today, I'm excited to be joined by a special guest, Brian Davies. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Um, So for a little bit of context before you provide much more context, uh, Brian and I went to the same high school. And uh, so, Brian, you were uh, you're a little bit younger than me and uh, good friends with both of my brothers and played sports all through you know, through high school. And we'll get into that. So um, for the listeners out there, who are you and kind of what are you up to today? Yeah, so uh, I've in the past five years, I've been uh, moving around a little bit, uh, left Maryland and did uh, decided to change my career and, and went to Boston, uh, decide I wanted to work on planes the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, so I went from a high school teacher to a uh, acquisition for aircraft uh and and then kind of the world took me back i never thought i'd be coming back to the mid-atlantic and now i'm here in virginia enjoying uh the finer summers that virginia provides (laughs) it's been a little cooler the last at least in maryland the last few days but um how long were you in boston for i'm just curious three years okay and and it nice. was it was wonderful. Uh, I, the only time I had ever been, I'd been there for one day to play UMass when I was in college. Thought uh-huh. I would never go back, and then I spent yeah. three great years there, transforming nice. my my career. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we took the uh, took the kids up there. Uh, I think it was summer 2019, so pre pandemic uh, for four days. You know, in the summer, it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so walkable. It was, it, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on the weather, obviously, but yeah, it was a fantastic city to, to check out. But, um, so that's good context for today. Um, but obviously the, the meat of what we want to get into is, is centered around mostly the adversity that you've been through, um, with some health struggles and, uh, you know, um, and then how you were able to overcome that. And one of the things I want to just reiterate, I, I've said this on other episodes, but, you know, we don't, pre, we don't act like, you know, 
Brian, you went through some adversity and now you don't have any adversity and now you live in abundance entirely. And, you know, um, it's not like that, but I think we can look back on, on some serious struggles that people have gone through and you certainly have gone through some real challenges. Um, and, you know, pull out some, some lessons learned from, from that. And, and the, the whole intent of the show is to inspire people, um, and to help them understand that, you know, they're not alone in the fact that they're going through a hard time and that, um, they can get through, through it, over it, around it, whatever, and get to kind of the mental, um, whatever that looks like for that person, but abundance, um, whether it's financial, physical, you know, all of the above. But, uh, yeah. So if you could, for the listeners can set the stage a little bit. I know you were, you know, like I said, you played sports and, and, um, I remember you from, you know, playing basketball and, and my brother would say, just what a hard worker you were. And, um, just, I mean, yeah, I, I just remember a very positive, hard work, you know, work ethic and, and a positive person. Um, so, you know, unfortunately your uh, situation took a, a turn, uh, that we're going to get into. So set the stage for us. You can start wherever you'd like as far as high school, college, or, um, but just go from there if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thanks everybody for uh, tuning into this. So I, uh, I, going back to my days, you know, as my dad would like to to say, uh, I was never good at doing anything the first time. So I generally put my head down and just kept working through everything that I've done. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a natural ability. It's just a, as he, he might would, uh, he might say like a stubbornness, uh, to want to be better at something. And in what I expected of myself, and that kind of parlayed throughout my my high school career, you know, playing sports with 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 the Batemans and, mm-hmm, and everybody. Yeah. Uh, that you know, I was the guy off the bench. You know, I was never the first person that you called upon, but I knew it would take work. And I, where I wanted to be, I wanted to be someone that my friends and my teammates relied on, but wasn't solely focused on one thing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. my life in, uh, growing up was I, you know, I would go, I was never in the house. I was out with friends, skateboarding out with other friends, just hanging out. I was with my friends playing sports, being from Philadelphia and then moving to Maryland, pick up basketball was a wonderful thing. Uh, just the, that ability to be outside and do things and, and kind of see where I was measured up against other people meant a lot to me because I knew Mm -hmm. I needed to, when I, where and when I needed to work and how hard I needed to do it. Um, I actually remember, uh, it's one play in, in high school lacrosse that really changed everything. Uh, we were on a face off, uh, Mm -hmm. after the other team scored and I'm on the, the wing of, of the field. And, and as the face offs happening, the ball is free and I'm running next to somebody and I just took off. And I took off and I got the ball and, and and we went down and we actually had a fast break and scored. And I realized what it took to be better. And then that parlay, this was my junior year of high school, uh, parlayed into playing lacrosse at UMBC. Uh, unfortunately, my senior year of high school, I broke my shoulder blade in half. So oh, I have geez. a uh, metal plate across it, which is 
I, ironically, kind of the precursor to the rest of mm. <laughs> the next 20 years of my life. Uh, finished up uh, when my high school coaches went to, to coaching college. It was at a local school. I finished up there, had a wonderful career. Uh, was really looking forward to what was coming next. Mm-hmm. And I graduated in December 2003, and that's really where my story the, so takes takes a turn. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it goes wildly, yeah, you know, little, out of control from there. Not how you would have predicted it, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, just now, did you play what sports? Did you play lacrosse in college? You did, right? I did. Is at UMBC, and then uh, somewhere Stevenson. else. Stevenson. Yep. Stevenson. Okay. Um. And was that the one you didn't play basketball in college? No, no. Okay. There was only one. Uh, <laughs> funny funny uh, story connected to the Batemans that uh-huh. uh, Josh and Rob convinced I would have never played lacrosse again. And Josh and Rob <laughs> convinced me to play. Nice. And it took, and that sport took over my life. Yeah, it's an awesome sport. I mean, yeah. we're a big lacrosse family. So that's, <laughs> uh, you know, guilty as charged there. But um <laughs> It's a fun, fun, fun sport. So you got a, you got out of out of college, and then then what happened? So December two thousand three, I graduated, and I had already been working a full time job my last semester, and was kind of really looking forward. I was working at a business, uh, an entity of a Zurich Insurance that my dad uh, kind of helped me get into, and you know I saw a lot of my my future just like he did, you know, he did well and I could be uh, a growing professional and I could go out on Friday nights with my friends and, and really be that working class uh, life that, that mm-hmm. we have here in Baltimore. Yeah. And comfortable. I mean, you know, secure, just, comfortable, yeah, good, the good life, right? Yeah. Just the building blocks to getting, you know, to, to being that, that, that good adult sure. <laughs> per se. Yeah. And, uh, I had a small cyst cut out of my back, uh, March 20, 2004. Okay. And what, what it did is it triggered a hereditary illness. Uh, everybody affectionately knows it, ulcerative colitis. And when it triggered, it immediately was out of control uh, for the next six months, I lost, I was 200 pounds and, and, you know, well-built athlete. And mm-hmm. I went down to 140. Uh, wow. my, I, I, my skin was, uh, just pale and just sickly and my endurance. I loved running. Running was always my favorite thing to do. I couldn't make it more than a, a quarter mile without starting to just be in agony. And uh, so from March to that Thanksgiving break, uh, I just started a career as a teacher, was really excited about it. And my my health was getting worse and worse. I couldn't make it through 50 minutes of uh, my class period without feeling ill. And mm. they finally diagnosed it uh, being ulcerative colitis. But what they didn't realize, and it only came out uh, the next two months, is that I had a uh, infection, a C. diff, under it. Hmm. So at that point, I was taking 
I'd wake up in the morning and take 45 pills to try to control the colitis. And because of the infection, it didn't, there was, it didn't do anything. It, it was every, every bit of medicine was just irrelevant. Wow. And so I still, the only time I actually still felt manageable was when I would try to run and I would try to work out and it, it was just getting worse and worse. And finally, so January, 2005, I go to the doctor and I say, doc, I'm, it feels like fire is going up my leg and he grabs my foot and he looks at it and he has this very quizzical look and he goes, Brian, you're a diabetic. Uh, you've, you're taking all this medicine. It's neuropathy. Don't worry about it. So Hmm. two weeks after that, uh, they give me a medicine to try to control the colitis. This is this is just before uh, 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 Valentine's Day, and I remember it. I'm at a parent-teacher conference. I go home. I put this medicine. I take this medicine, and it feels like concrete's going through my system. So just to and, just to back up for a split second, so yeah. the medicine is this medicine is for neuropathy. Is that uh, or col- is this is for the, the colitis? Colitis. Okay. And so same medicine or, you know, similar medicine that you've been taking for quite some time, not a new medicine at this point. Uh, this one, this one was the new medicine. Okay. All right. It, Just, it, it lasted, it lasted for 24 hours. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, but it was to deal with the colitis, uh, but a new medicine. Okay. Got it. Understood. All right. And so uh, from there, I went into the hospital. And the, so for a series of, I'd be in the hospital for a week, out of the hospital for a week. And the stories of the day-to-day is just an absolute struggle. I mean, I, I was bedridden. Uh, life is going on. My favorite season, spring is happening. I'm supposed to be coaching lacrosse, you know, doing my high school history teacher thing and coaching and mm-hmm. the things I wanted to do in life. And, uh, I had this, I had to go up to the the principal and say, I, the doctor said, I can't finish the year. And so now, uh, I was even more isolated because now mm-hmm. the people that I could kind of talk to about this were gone. Mm-hmm. The, my friends yeah. that I worked with were there. They, and I was a burden to them because now I'm giving them work to do in my problems or yeah yeah, gotcha um yeah that's i mean and this is one of the risks with you know doing a podcast like this to to be honest is it glosses it's very easy to gloss over oh well he he had some hard days or whatever and it's like (laughs) no this was many many hours and and days and weeks and months and i mean again i i didn't go through it but um it's it's just you know it's it's hard to kind of put that in context fully for uh, about what you went through and we've had some similar episodes um one is not act, one is going to be out in a few days uh, as of today but where just i mean yeah hospital and all kinds of health challenges and it's you know i i just i don't want the it to come across like we're just oh yeah that was that was <laughs> he had a hard time for a couple of days there but um Okay. So, and then, and I remember, cause I did watch your, your Ted talk that, um, that's, uh, I've recommend the listeners watch as well on YouTube. Um, and you talked about, and I think you're going to get into this, but the, 
you know, the it's not just a physical challenge here. You just started to touch on it. You were very isolated and um, becoming, or at least you saw it as you were becoming a, a burden to people. It seems like I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. Um, but yeah, touch, dive into that a little bit more. Absolutely, and this and this is where it becomes uh, really the, the the mental anguish was was more mm-hmm. and more difficult. Uh, so the day before the Easter Eve, uh, I went to sleep, didn't think any, you know, just like a normal day of struggling as all of them had been. And I woke up at one o'clock in the morning with a, a pain in my leg that was the most pain I've ever been in in my life. And I'm shaking uncontrollably, water sweating out of my, it just pouring out of my body. Mm-hmm. And for six hours, I tried to get help. I couldn't dial the phone. I could, I wasn't calm enough to walk anywhere. Uh, it was just an absolute struggle. And uh, the only way I, I thought I could get help, and I, you, the, the idiot in me, which I freely admit, <laughs> uh, would call my dad for help. And he drives over. He takes me to the hospital. And I remember going back uh, when they went to check me in. They look at me. And I will never repeat what I said because it's it's profanity laced, but mm-hmm. the pain was so bad that they just wheeled me right to the back. And I remember just being by myself. Mm. And they look in 15 seconds, they take a Doppler on my leg and see five blood clots over my right ankle. So they know what the issue is. And it's six o'clock in the morning. So I'd made it five, six hours without any just trying to get help, got help. And now I'm by myself. I don't know how to control it. I can't, at this point, I realize that my, my mental ability to just put my head down and keep pushing mm-hmm. wasn't working. That's not helpful. That's not going to do it. What, yeah. what you'd relied on for all those years to get through, you know, difficult times was to put your head down and work harder. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's not going to do it. Yeah, literally literally and figuratively running through every obstacle I could. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stand up on my I couldn't stand up. Hmm. Uh so for the next five weeks, uh, and this always made me feel terrible that um there was four surgeries to try to open up the blood clot, and it none of them worked. And you Hmm. could actually see on my toes they were becoming black. Hmm. And it, uh, which was gangrenous. So gangrene had set in and it was growing and you could see it coming up my leg. And, uh, I remember I was at my sister's graduation from James, James Madison. I couldn't put my foot down and I had a, a soft, you know, like a, a slipper you wear around the house. And I, they, they were worried about where I was and I'm looking around at this whole party. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not one of you. I'm I'm out hmm. of I'm not in this sphere. And it felt hmm. everything became more and more isolating. And then uh I remember the doctor we go in the last time uh to the doctor before I had the, the last surgery and it was one of the last times I remember reaching back to to friends in a way that was uh the way I used to be very open and talking to people and not feeling so isolated. 
because being in the hospital, you, you can't help but feel isolated from reality. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, the doctor comes in, it's a Monday, uh, mid-May, and he goes, Brian, in 24 hours, you have to tell me how much of your leg do you want to lose? The clots weren't moving. Everything was just, is getting. you could see the gangrene just keep moving up. And I, I asked him for 10 minutes, talked to my dad, <laughs> talked to my crazy. dad for a minute. And I called uh, a good friend of mine, Matt. He's, uh, he's in the area still, uh, mm-hmm. wonderful guy. And he was getting married in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, buddy, I, I promise you, I walked down the aisle at the wedding. I promise you. Mm-hmm. And uh, 24 hours later, I woke up. Uh, with my leg six, five inches below my knee, my, my right ankle amputated. And I'll forever remember that moment. Cause not because of the amputation, uh, because when, uh, the nurse came over, she went to place something down where my leg used to be. And I started screaming like, like someone was hurting me. Uh, and just how my mind had warped into protecting that area and eliminating everything around me really was was trans it, it, it transcended what was actually happening to me and really was the mental battle that I was about to go under for the next 15 years of my life so just so everything seemed like a threat physically like you just wanted to keep everything away yeah i i wouldn't let anyone touch it Uh, I remember the doctor went to unwrap it one time and I swung at him. I didn't even know I did it. I I just, it was Mm -hmm. so everything about that area, my whole life centered around my leg. Mm. The rest of my body was irrelevant. It just had to make sure that my leg didn't hurt or nobody Mm -hmm. made it hurt worse. I, during the course of those surgeries, I slept for 45 minutes a day. Uh, I, I'd be up from 5, 5 a.m. to 5.45, and when the birds would chirp in the morning, I'd be up. And I have a lot of energy, so when I, I couldn't expend it, I couldn't go mm-hmm. to sleep. And mm-hmm. I was bedridden, and it was How just... How old were you at this point? 24. 24. Yeah. I mean, that is... I mean, there's there are no words. It's just... that's It sucks. I mean, it's just awful. And And, and this started because of the removal of the, the cyst. I mean, yep. It was a, it was a, a really mundane. My sister had the same cyst removed when she, mm-hmm. evidently, I think it's like some words of uh, my math could be wrong, but the, they said like mm-hmm. 50 to 60% of people have this. Mm-hmm. Some people just need to get it cut out. It's a polynidal mm-hmm. cyst and mm-hmm. it just triggered the, it was the triggering event to, uh, Wow. autoimmune illnesses to kick on. Hmm. Jeez. I mean, I, you know, appreciate you being so open and sharing about it. So, and then, okay, then you had your ankle and a, a good part of your lower leg removed. Um, yeah. And then, so what, talk us through what you're going through mentally at that point. So I, the, I kind of go back. I always go back to when I'm, when I need to, to do something, I, I just put my head down, figure out the next step and just kind of go. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
it took me a little bit to figure out what I needed to do uh, in order to, the first one was just to get out of the rehab facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said you needed to be better at doing this, you know, X, Y, and Z better. You have to Mm -hmm. show them that you can get around your house and not be a detriment to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I was doing all the exercise. This is actually Memorial weekend. I remember watching uh, Johns Hopkins win their championship Mm. from a bed in a hospital. Mm. And I just remember going, I got to get out of here. And uh, my good friends, uh, my good friend Todd and uh, Chris showed up to just to see how I was doing. And I had tried to walk out of the complex. Uh, I was so physically uh, just malnourished and, and I hadn't been outside in, in three months that I made it to this little, uh, this little bench outside and I couldn't move. And Todd actually went and picked up the wheelchair from inside to get me back inside. And, Hmm. you know, we're kidding around and palling around, but I remember being in at that facility and they, they do great things. But for me, mentally, it was the worst place I could ever be Hmm. because I was, I was proving a point in my mind that I was going to be different from everybody for the rest of my life. And the mm-hmm. more I, I couldn't interact with my friends, the more I lost touch with the fact that they still saw me as Brian, but I didn't see myself as Brian. Mm. So without kind of that back and forth with them socially, mm-hmm. I was losing I was losing touch of what it meant to really be a an interactive person and right. living life. And they were losing touch of the changes that had been occurring. To you, I would guess, you know, it's like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, one of them took me out, uh, not long after this all had happened and saw the friend from high school and, and they turned to me and they go, I thought you were dead. Like I, I heard that story and I go, you know, I, at that point I was doing a little bit better and I was like, well, it certainly felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, right. But it, it it really went to the fact that I lost a year of being fr- some people I had been friends with, you know, growing up for mm-hmm. almost my whole school career. I had lost complete touch with, and mm-hmm. some of them I got, you know, wish them well in the world, but they we don't exist as friends anymore because that disconnection from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. That happens to all of us, but I mean, in your in your case, it's a little more extreme, and you know, there's a lot, a lot more of uh, dynamics and nuances to it, and it's a little more complicated. But so, in in your talk, you gave you you spoke about the um, kind of the, I guess, the disappointment you had with your friend's wedding, um, yeah. and what that meant, and you know, let's let's get onto that as far as the, uh, your, you know, the changes you've made mentally and the lessons you've learned about goal setting and those kinds of things. Absolutely. I, uh, so that, that friend that I called Matt, his, his wedding really meant a lot to me. It was, a it was the first time in many, many months. And, and I've always been a, a goal, very goal oriented. Um, I, I pushed towards those goals. And then once I hit it, there's another one. <laughs> and that was the first goal I had reestablished for myself since being sick. 
it was mm. I had three weeks from the time I lost my leg to be ready to walk down the aisle at that wedding. And I remember just as the in those three weeks, as every day got closer, I got a little bit more worried that I wouldn't even be able to have the attempt to walk. And the week of the wedding, uh, Matt, Matt and I had been talking and said, buddy, I'm going to get there. Just, I, I don't want you to worry. I'll get there. And my dad really helped my, my family had helped me get all the, the things I needed to. And the first day I got a leg was the day before his wedding. It was the day of his, wow. his, uh, dress rehearsal. And, uh, I, I thought I could just go ahead and walk, which was, uh, part of my, I mean, my ignorance is <laughs> that cause I think I can do it when mm -hmm. the reality was that I, I, I really couldn't, mm -hmm. but I remember getting that leg and, and walking and my dad was there and we were on 28th street down in Baltimore. And I, I, the first steps I walked, I cried so hard and I, I knew I could give myself a chance to do, to, to, to walk down the aisle at the wedding. Mm -hmm. And as we're getting there and I'm like trying to do it without crutches, there's no way I'm mm -hmm. going to be able to walk. And to me, crutches were an assistance that I, you know, I, I was vehemently against. Mm -hmm. And after talking to Matt, right, right as we're leading up to the wedding, he's like, listen, Brian, use the crutches. It's going to be a long day. You've, you haven't been out like this in a long time. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. The wedding happens. It's a great time. I, I got to dance with, with my date who, who came with me, who was a longtime mm -hmm. friend from Hereford Tracy. Mm -hmm. And for a minute, it felt okay. But the next morning and the days that went on, I mean, as a teacher, you spend the summer, you know, doing other things. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in my living room again by myself with nobody else around me because most of my friends are working or they're doing family things or mm -hmm. who are teachers. Like they all had something to do. So there I am isolated again. Mm -hmm. And I tried to start setting more goals, but in the back of my head, I failed at walking down the aisle at the wedding. And to me, that failure was, it was, I, it was something I couldn't accept and I couldn't accept it also because it was, because it was one of the closest people to me. Mm -hmm. And that, that and, and like you said, it was your first goal you'd set in quite some time since you, yeah, you know, so it was, it wasn't like it was one of a hundred goals you set last week or whatever. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big one, right. In your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it was the goal. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and it took me a while and I started to, after the days that went on, I, I, my, my mental state was, was just deteriorating rapidly. And, and I'm not going to say I, I was not suicidal. I wasn't in a, in, a, in a state like that, but I equated to being on a roller coaster and my emotions had built so much that I was at the very top of that roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And when it went over the, you know, went down. Mm -hmm. I was going to take everything around me out. I didn't care if my house burned down. I didn't care mm -hmm. if I wrecked something. I, di I didn't have that care anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I sat at the house and, and I said, I got to the point where I called my dad and 
that poor guy's trying to work. Uh, it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and he's trying mm. to do work and I'm screaming about just being upset. And he goes, Brian, of, of all the people in the world who, who you know, who could, who could take a, a problem like this on, mm-hmm. is there anybody else you would, you would even let that happen to? And I said, no, mm-hmm. I'll take it a hundred percent of the time. Cause you were thinking and, kind of like, why me? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you, so, I mean yeah. I'm not I, I can imagine, right? I'm just trying to set the stage. You you're thinking, why is this all happening to me? Yeah. Um, and then you asked, and then I think you said in your talk that he said that's the wrong question. Um yep. who he who, said, who, who would you said, give this to or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he said, What are you gonna do about it? Was yeah, the yeah. second question. Yeah. And and so and it just clicked. <clears throat> and for all the people that had spent all of that time making sure I was okay, mm-hmm. I mean that those people are they're officially in the world friends, but they're family. <laughs> and I and I remember talking to my dad, and I I hung up the phone with him then, but we talked later, and I said, at that moment, I decided I couldn't be average. I looked at, at, at being uh, not being unique as something negative when all of a sudden being unique could be something positive. Hmm. And it was the, it really was a role reversal hmm. and what I was going to do with every one of those days was going to support the sort of infrastructure that I had, my mom, my dad, my sister, her, you know, my brother-in-law, my, my my friend Todd, my friend Matt, my friend Brad, my friend Kevin, my friend Jamie, my friend Kenny, my the list of people mm-hmm. who who've who fought with me through all of this. And when that clicked and I realized that they had my back, I needed to set those goals and I needed to set them to be something much better than what I the set the 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 goals I set for myself mm-hmm. had to be in some way. If I hit a goal, someone mm-hmm. could take that part of that story and relate mm-hmm. it to themselves. Yeah. And so we are, you know, unfortunately there's so much, <laughs> we have limited yeah. time, but, um, but the, I mean this, and I mentioned to you before we hit record, this one of the themes of, of so far with my podcast and, and the show has been with uh, people getting through adversity, one of the big shifts has been mentally focusing on others and incorporating others into their, their kind of view. And I, and I hadn't heard it, you know, phrased the same way with regard to incorporating others into goal setting and defining success. I hadn't heard it until you, you're, you know, listening to your story. Um, But it's a similar theme, I think, coming through in these episodes is that, Look, it makes. I mean, it, of course, you have to be focused on yourself when you're <laughs> when your health is is the number one concern, right? That's not a bad thing, of course. But at some point, if you're going to get past that, and again, I haven't been in your shoes. I'm just kind of lo- looking at it from the outside. Yeah. But um, that's uh, you know, you've got to focus on others and incorporate others and 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 think bigger. You know, instead of just thinking about yourself. <laughs> is that, is yeah. that fair to say? What, what yeah, would you say to I that? Think, 
I, I think most of I think most of us humans, uh, the worst critic I have is myself. Mm-hmm. And if I can't yeah. narrate and incorporate other people in, it's negative, negative, negative. You should mm-hmm. have done better. You should have done it this way. Mm-hmm. And when I when I when I thought I failed to walk down the aisle at the wedding, Matt told me that he was proud of me. <laughs> and I go, That's awesome. Proud, like how can you I need be a, proud? I need a, yeah, I needed crutches. And he goes, you've got a leg yesterday. This is great. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, so, the, so once I realized to incorporate their input, mm-hmm. I, of course, as a human, I want to do everything perfectly. But if, sure. I re, if I go back to what my dad's been saying about me my entire life, I've never done anything perfect the first time. <laughs> and I'm guessing most people haven't either. But no. I had an un, an, a really not uh, realistic view of how I did things. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my the process to reaching all those goals that I set for myself, it didn't need to be perfect. But what mm-hmm. I could control, I needed to be, I'll, I'll put it this way. Barry Brownlee, who was the principal at Archbishop Curley when I got the mm-hmm. job there, had the most the greatest advice I had ever heard given mm-hmm. to anybody. He said, Brian, and this is when I was sick too, and I we he really didn't know it. He goes, Brian, I don't expect you to be perfect every day. But when you walk in here, if you're at 80%, give me all 80. <laughs> That's really good. That's yeah, awesome. So, so so that kind of became reflective in how I felt that day that if I couldn't walk because of the prosthetic was hurting, Mm -hmm. that other leg was going to give, I was still going to give everything Mm. I could. And, and then people's input was going to help me get to that goal. Sure. So it sounds like, and, and, you know, there's obviously not, it's a process, right? This whole thing is a, is a long process, but it sounds like it took, you took some time, a long time to kind of maybe forgive yourself for not having met that goal at your friend's wedding. About how much time was that that we're talking about? So that was probably about two months, but I'll tell you, okay. I think about it every day. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so now, and and like I said, we're, we are unfortunately starting to run out of time here, yeah, but I, yeah. and, and I don't want to, you know, most of this episode is going to be centered on your adversity, but we haven't even talked about, you know, your, the, the successes that you had. Let's let's try to highlight some of those. Um, you know, like, I mean, the, the hockey stuff is is awesome. So if you could, you know, fairly succinctly uh, hit yeah. some of the highlights and and maybe a, one or two other kind of um, lessons learned that the listeners could apply. Absolutely. Uh, through the through that process, the goals just started growing. Uh, in the, the multiple pages of goals, I, I don't even write them down anymore. Cause I just, there's too much pages that it would take, mm-hmm. uh, in 2010, uh, an amputee, an army amputee down in not far from Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, his story got me to want to play hockey. And, mm-hmm. uh, this past year, uh, I played against Canada, uh, the, the Canadian t- national mm-hmm. team at an event with, uh, the wounded warriors. I've gotten to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I've gotten to, awesome. to go across the U.S. Another one of my difficult stories was making the U.S. team but not being mm-hmm. allowed on the plane because of my health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also 
I got it helped me focus and get my master's degree from Johns Hopkins, which I still think awesome. is one of the best required best things I've ever done for myself. I've walked the the Great Wall of China, uh, hmm. parts of it. I've biked through the Alps. Uh, hmm. I've traveled to so many countries. And the one I'm probably most proud of because, you know, being a diabetic and being an amputee, uh, got to spend some time in Afghanistan hmm. uh, in something that I thought was near and dear to me, but some I had always been told no for both of those reasons. Hmm. And uh, kind of the that perseverance in the fight and, and, mm-hmm. and like I told you before, fighting the good fight mm-hmm. uh, every day, not being a doing things the right way and following the process and listening to people. Mm-hmm. I got to spend two weeks going around parts of the world that I had never seen. And in a normal circumstance, and if it, really, if it wasn't for my leg, I would never have seen it. <laughs> I never would be in the position to, to do these things. Yeah. And, and team USA is the best one. Uh, you know, I thought yeah. I was a pretty good lacrosse player and, mm-hmm. you know, I had a pretty good ego uh, when I played in college, but, yeah. um, uh, when, when the, the U- team USA says you can put on this Jersey, it, it means something so much different. Yeah. And the first, uh, in the, in the book that I wrote, the, one of the proudest moments I had in one of the best cries I probably had in my entire life was scoring my first goal uh, awesome. in Team USA. And, uh, and then the name of the book is Defining Purpose, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, Defining Purpose, My Fight with Ulcerative Colitis. And people can find that on Amazon and yeah, anywhere Amazon. else? Yep, okay. just Amazon. It's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's just amazing. Just <laughs> making... You never played hockey i mean I, yeah. you know it's like and here i mean it's just incredible um you know i i guess there's some similarities between lacrosse and hockey yeah. you know but <laughs> I, they, is... they, they tell me it made me a worse hockey player okay. <laughs> you had to unlearn uh unlearn some bad habits i guess yeah <laughs> um yeah i think i tried it on like roller hockey like one time and I, I didn't move. I just tried to score a bunch of goals. And um, <laughs> I guess some people would say that's what I did in lacrosse too. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so, okay. I mean, just mind blowing. Like it's, yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that like, look, I mean, you didn't, you know, you didn't do anything per se to, to start this whole health. It's not like you made a, a bad decision or we're, you know, running in, you know, in the, in the wrong crowd or something. And so, I mean, how do you, how do you look at all this looking back, you know, as far as this happening to you when you weren't necessarily making poor decisions? I, I, I think the world offers a lot of opportunity that people don't r- really recognize. We get into the moments of our daily life that you just kind of move along and you don't think about it that much. Mm-hmm. And at at any given time, we're all going to feel something. Mm-hmm. And in my story, I don't, the one thing I don't like is when people say like, Hey, my story is nothing like yours. Mm-hmm. Your story is absolutely like mine. Mm-hmm. The, the ability to withstand in the trauma that we feel in the day is it's, it's the same for everybody, but mm-hmm. different in way it presents itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but I think what that what you do with that is always is the story that you're going to tell forever. Mm-hmm. I remember someone someone asked, "What's your what do you want to be as a teacher?" And I said, "I don't want I don't want anyone to you don't have to say that Mr. Davies was my favorite teacher, but if they say there's a story where this teacher did something amazing or did something good or helped me in something and that goes for a grandmother tells their daughter and their daughter tells their kid mm-hmm. you just lived for four generations <laughs> so yeah that's a great way to look at it so what is what are you providing to the world that says you know Jamie I was here Brian I was here mm-hmm. and it changed as a teacher, you would like to say you help everyone's life, right? but you truly make a difference, a cataclysmic difference that you can define with one or two. Hmm. And if you've hit that one person, you've done your job. Hmm. And so I just get, luckily I might be a little bit better of a storyteller and, and people can, there's much more meat to my story, but everybody has their story. And I hope yeah. that 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 ability to to overcome those obstacles never never be afraid of an obstacle and keep going because those goals that you set yourself they wouldn't be goals if there wasn't obstacles there they would just be things to do <laughs> that's true that is really yeah that's really good um yeah so much i could i could kind of piggyback on there but i'm i'm gonna move on we i'm just gonna fire off a few rapid fire questions and then we'll we'll wrap it up yeah, um, fire away if you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice what would it be i have a rule that i never go never look back hmm. to change anything because if okay. you look if you look back that means you wish something else had happened hmm. right that's a good point all right if you could have coffee I don't know if you drink coffee, but if you could have coffee with a, any historical figure, who would it be? Ooh, that is a great one, for, <laughs> especially for the history teacher. It doesn't. Yeah, right. And they could be alive today. It's, you know, it doesn't have I to be your favorite person ever. Definitely not my favorite person, but Eisenhower. Okay. I, have, I love that World War II era. There you go. I like it. Um, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Uh, pay off a few bills. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Live live by the beach, and uh, I know that I have a deal that if we, me and uh, Brad and Ken, my old neighbors, uh, if anyone won the lottery, we'd buy a hockey rink, and the other two would work for the the one who won the money. <laughs> nice, I love it. Um, let's see. Besides your your own book, what is a book that you'd recommend? the audience Ooh, there's a great one it's about a navy seal who overcame uh oh i wish i remember the name of it right now it's about a navy seal who overcame the an issue with drugs and being a reckless youth to being a navy seal he unfortunately or or fortunately for for us in, in the world uh uh didn't survive combat but uh mm. man i'll look it up as we're talking Sounds good. We can put it in the show notes. Anything else you want to touch on that we haven't covered? No, not particularly. I mean, I will I will offer it if you ever want a uh, part two. 
Uh, yeah. I, I welcome telling the story in, in any, because uh, there's, this is only the first five years of the, of the difficult, really the first year of the difficulty. Uh, the story doesn't end. You know, it goes, <laughs> it actually most recently, I had a surgery to finally, hopefully finish everything six months ago. Oh, wow. So it's, gotcha. uh, it's a, it has a lot of, uh, appendices. <laughs> right. Well, like I said, we, uh, we don't, uh, pretend that your adversity is behind you for any of us. I mean, you're, that's, like I said, that's, that's the point of the show is we, we're never done dealing with adversity and hardship and challenge. And that's the whole point of this show is to inspire people. Like you said, everyone's adversity looks different and takes on a different form, but we all have it. And so how are you going to deal with that? And uh, so, yeah, you're not done with your adversity either, but I do think you've made a major shift mentally. um, And you highlighted a couple of key points over that process, at least the part of the process that we were able to cover today. So um, did you find the book? Yeah, it's actually, as I was looking it up, it was a second one. It's called uh, Brothers Forever, the story about Travis Mannion and Brendan Looney. Okay, cool. Nice. I'll have to check that out. All right. If any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you, Brian, how can they do so? LinkedIn, actually. That's okay. the one social media that I, I really kind of follow uh, that where I post the, the the videos. And actually, even in YouTube, I'll have the video up. I, I used to keep that video that I sent you on a mm-hmm. private link, but it's, it's, it's about time to release it to the world. So nice. Yeah. yeah we'll just, have to put that in the show notes as well. The link to that video. That was, that was really good. It was like 17, 18 minutes. Yeah. Um, very inspiring. So I, I really and, enjoyed uh, that. In my, in my email address, I'll give it out to everybody is just sure. Brian Davies 36 at Gmail. So perfect. Awesome. Well, again brian yeah we will have to have you back on if you're if you're good with it it's i know there's a ton we didn't cover um and i uh, i just want to thank you once again for coming on and being open and sharing you know not sharing something that's not that easy to talk about i would imagine and um and trying to uh, help our listeners benefit so thanks a lot brian really appreciate your time no and thank you for the forum it's uh i think what you're doing is 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 truly something that I think the world needs to hear more of, and because uh, when you when you hear about adversity and, and abundance, it's it's it, there's not a singular definition to what abundance looks like. And I think no, what you're yeah. I think what you're doing is amazing, and, and and please keep it up. You have an avid listener now. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate that, and and I do, you know, we are trying to grow the listener base, and so to the listeners out there, um, look, I'm not super salesy. Um, but I, I, I want you all to share the episodes, share it with your friends, share it with your family, give us a, you know, five-star review. If you think that's applicable, we'd love to grow the listener base and, and trying to impact as many people as we can in a positive way. Um, some of our episodes are more real estate, finance, business focused. Obviously this one wasn't. And, but this is, this is, I mean, this has been fantastic. I mean, we're all humans. And so I think everyone can relate to, to a lot of this, this episode. So thanks again, Brian, really appreciate it. And to the listeners out there, thanks a lot for spending your most valuable resource with us, which is your time. Thanks everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, 
please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.